0: This is episode number 59 with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Before I introduce today's guest, I want to tell you two very exciting things. You can now order my second book, Open Wide, a radically real guide to deep love, rocking relationships, and soulful sex. And all you have to do to get your hands on a copy is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash open wide. And on that page, you can also get access to my free online open wide masterclass that Nick and I have created just for you, It is epic and you do not want to miss out on this. Now, the second super exciting announcement is that Nick and I are collaborating to bring you the Open Wide Tour around Australia in January and February. Now, this is a celebration of Nick's music and to celebrate the release of Open Wide. Now, imagine a TED tour meets Coldplay concert. It's going to be a fusion of music, meditation and motivation. And tickets are selling fast. So head to nickandmelissa.com to get your tickets today. Our guest today, Dr. Stephen Cabral, is a board certified naturopathic doctor and founder of the Cabral Wellness Institute and StephenCabral.com. At 17 years old, Stephen was diagnosed with a life altering illness and given no hope for recovery. Every day he suffered endlessly for many, many years. It was only after Stephen travelled all over the world and discovered how to combine ancient Ayurvedic healing practices with state-of-the-art naturopathic and functional medicine did he understand how to fully rebalance the body and re-energize it with life today Stevens online and Boston practice where he and his team have completed over 200,000 client appointments he uses functional medicine lab testing and personalised wellness plans to help people rebalance their mind and body and to recover from things like autoimmune issues thyroid problems fatigue hormonal imbalances weight gain digestive issues mood conditions skin disorders and dozens of other hard to treat treat health conditions. Now, his mission is to help people understand that there is always a reason why you have not achieved your ideal wellness or weight loss goals and that you can and will get well again. I love this so much. Now in today's episode, we chat about how he healed from multiple quote unquote incurable diseases, why he studied different healing modalities all over the world and what he learned that changed his life, the three different body types and why understanding these will change your life and boost your health forever how a Vada body type can still be vegan without negatively impacting their health, how understanding your body type affects every area of your life, especially your diet, exercise, sleep, and daily routines, the two most detrimental things you may be doing that are not supportive for your health and vitality, how to finally lose that stubborn weight, how to finally heal, how to reset your circadian rhythm, and yes, it is possible, why a one-size-fits-all approach is not the answer, why intermittent fasting and low-carb diets might not be the most supportive thing for you right now, the powerful truth that will blow your mind, you're going to love this, the truth behind infertility, why we become unbalanced and how to rebalance your mind and body, why you might want to rethink taking probiotics, fermented foods and bone broth, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 59. Guys, this episode is freaking epic. You're going to love it and you'll know why at the end of the episode. So please dive in, soak up his wisdom and knowledge and let's bring on the one and only Dr. Stephen Cabral. As you will hear when we dive deep into this incredible and life-changing episode, Dr. Stephen Cabral is a big believer and has had massive success with having his clients adopt a more plant-based diet. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean vegan or vegetarian. It simply means getting loads more nutrient-dense vegetables into your diet, which we can all do. So it seems like a perfect fit that this episode should be brought to you by a company who is perfectly aligned with this same approach to attaining greater health. And that amazing company is called Wellcome, Founded by former supermodel and trailblazer Elle McPherson, the inspiration came to her after seeing Dr. Simone Laubscher in her London clinic. Now Elle learned about how our bodies were designed to absorb nutrition via natural, Real Whole Foods. If you haven't seen their products, check out wellco.com.au and in particular, their Super Elixir, which I love because it's so easy to use and it's all about delivering your body the daily nutrients it craves through natural, whole, plant-based foods, which you simply stir into your daily smoothie or water. I love it so much, in fact, I'm going to be participating in the 30-day Super Elixir challenge now you can participate in the 30-day challenge as well and all you have to do is head to my Instagram to find out how you can join and you can also use the code super elixir at checkout and you get free shipping now that's s-u-p-e-r-e-l-i-x-i-r and then you can get free shipping how awesome is that now let's bring on Stephen Stephen, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: Breakfast is the same essentially every single morning. That is a greens drink when I first wake up. So basically, it's 22 organic fruits and vegetables. I squeeze a lime in there, a pinch of sea salt, and a half a teaspoon of raw honey. But an hour later, I make my smoothie for the day and I'm out the door.
0: Mmm, Sounds good. Now, I am so excited to have you on the show because it's rare to find someone who has not only pulled themselves out of a very dark place with their health, but has gone on to study an incredibly diverse range of healing modalities and share what you have learned in such a non-dogmatic way. But I don't want to give it all away and I want you to share your amazing story because it's so mind blowing like when i first discovered you i was like oh my gosh i can't believe he's been through that so can you take us back to a time in your life when things weren't so great
1: honestly it's been about 20 years just a little bit more but i can remember it really like it was yesterday and the reason is that i was i was in a pretty dark place for almost a decade um, i did have some moments of feeling like i was coming out of it but only to relapse again so it was almost like a tease but what happened was I woke up uh, one morning, I was about 17 and a half years old or so. Uh, I remember it really clearly because it was the fall time. I used to play sports in school. It was my senior year of high school. I woke up one morning and I literally couldn't open my eyes. They were swollen shut and also they were crusted shut. And I had golf ball, legitimately golf ball, not exaggeration, sized lymph nodes swollen on the side of my neck. So that obviously, I knew something was wrong. But when I went to get out of bed, there was no feeling in my legs. There was just this feeling of, the best I can compare it to is having the flu. So I went to put my feet on the ground, and immediately, I just fell back down into my bed. I knew something was wrong. So I laid back down for a little bit. I went to get out of bed again, and my heart rate just started racing. So at this point, I knew I wasn't going to school, didn't know what was going on. Keep in mind, I used to get sinus infections all the time, all sorts of issues. Went downstairs... looked at my mother, and she had this horrified look in her face. She knew that this was not an ordinary sickness or illness. So, to save you this 10-year drawn-out story, essentially, I went to all of the best doctors in Boston, Harvard-educated, brilliant, brilliant doctors, but brilliant from the standpoint of one particular type of medicine, and that's conventional medicine. And if I had a conventional-based dis-ease of the body, they would have been able to help me. But what I had were blood work numbers that looked good. And unfortunately, because of that, there was no way that they could help me. So I really toiled for the next couple of years before I was able to find this thing called functional medicine in really agony. You know, I, I ended up having blood sugar dysregulation. I was a complete insomniac, I uh, would get hot flashes in high school. I had brain fog, fibromyalgia, eventually being diagnosed with all sorts of things from hypercholesterolemia to. Myelagic encephalomyelitis, which essentially means you can't exercise, you can't do anything without getting extremely sick, worn down, wiped out. I had Addison's disease, which is really a deep form of adrenal burnout or adrenal fatigue. Uh, Back then, it was almost unheard of. Uh, Type 2 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis. So people ask me, how is it possible that one person could get so many things? Well, that was my question and no one knew. So that led me on my journey to getting well again.
0: What was your childhood like? Was it stressful in terms of your environment and the foods that you were eating? Like, what do you think was the combination of things that happened to get you to that place?
1: Yeah, so essentially- I look at now, this is this is how I look at all disease, meaning you could come to me with any single thing in the world. You can give it any name that you want to give it. And that, that does not matter to me. What I look at is that everyone has a tipping point. I call it the rain barrel. So what essentially happens is that you get to some point in your life and everyone's a little bit different based on an assortment of things where eventually your body cannot take it anymore. And then you start to get these symptoms of a disease. If it gets bad enough, then we're able to give it a name because there's something wrong with your blood work, then we're able to medicate you and then that's basically the way it is. We mask those symptoms. So, what happened to me was that uh preceding this, I was on three years of antibiotics. So, I was taking two capsules of amoxicillin for three years straight. I swallowed over 3,000 capsules of amoxicillin before the age of 17, which is disturbing in itself. So, that wiped out all of basically my good gut microbiome flora, which as we know now, 20 years later, that's 80% of our immune system. So, I was uh, obviously quite, quite a uh, dysbiotic in the gut, but it was also the type of kid, and this is very important to look at as well, who was just a perfectionist, you know, that that had to try to do everything well, whether it was sports, whether it was school, and try to ace my SATs. And I was also about to go into college, so this was a big life-turning event, that I would be leaving my family, be leaving relationships, friends, all of those things behind. So it was this big tipping point in my life between work and working out and all these things in the perfect storm. I ended up getting something called Epstein-Barr virus, and that was the straw that basically broke the camel's back, and that's when all the symptoms came about.
0: Wow, holy moly, this is huge. And I had a similar story. I ended up in hospital in 2010. This was, you know, my rock bottom, and I had a whole host of health issues similar to how you did. You know, you had this whole cocktail. But there was one thing that tipped me over the edge and put me in the hospital, but it was a combination of everything. So it's so interesting that that happens when your immune system is just so low, I guess you just become a magnet for all of these other things to manifest.
1: Exactly. And and usually what happens that we're we're realizing now is that the immune system becomes dysfunctional. So we get one branch of the immune system, we'll call it like the Th2 branch of the immune system, which becomes completely aggravated and over-exaggerated. So everything's inflamed all of the time. And so you do end up with all these inflammatory-based issues, whether it's allergies and hives and mastocytosis and all of these things, and you can't figure out why, but yet you're sick all the time as well, even though your immune system's on full blast with chronic sinus infections and gut-based issues and, you know, every cold that comes along. And that was me. I mean, I dealt with literally from Thanksgiving through April, a sinus infection every single month. I would be on antibiotics. I would get better for a week or two, feel fine, and then relapse again. And it was just devastating to my body. My body could not keep up. It couldn't get well. And that's because if you looked at it, you wouldn't know where to start. There's just too much to do. And that's the issue is that, you know, when we're looking at people, we're always looking for the silver bullet. Now we're looking, okay, well, what supplement is it? You know, what food is it? And it's just when you get really sick, like when you get deep, deeply sick, there's always a way out. There's always hope, but you have to start at a foundational level.
0: Mm. So can you tell us about some of the modalities that you have studied, such as Ayurveda and Chinese medicine?
1: Yeah, so I always knew my path was going to be a little bit different. So, what happened was, I met a functional medicine doctor around 21, 22 years old who I'll be forever grateful to. They did not have the answer for me, but they led me down the path and opened my eyes to a whole new world of medicine that I would never have known about. So, they started to talk about these things called cortisol and, and aldosterone and all these things I couldn't regulate blood pressure. And I would get lightheaded when I stood up and I would get this thing called POTS syndrome where I'd walk up six stairs. And my heart rate would be at like 150 beats per minute. And I literally needed to lie down. And so I had to figure out what what are all these things that are going on in my body. And this is also the, you know, this is the late 90s. So there's no real internet. So I had to just start reading books. And I read book after book and literally thousands of books. And I read this book by who would eventually be my mentor, my my final mentor, as I call her, because she was the one who pulled everything together. And her name was Dr. Margaret Smith-Pete. And she wrote a book called, um, My Doctor Says I'm Fine so why do I feel so bad? And this book, just it's a, it's just a good book. You know There are other books as well, but it spoke to me. And I said, you know what? I need to contact this person. And she was about 70 years old at this time. And, and she said, I can't believe you reached out to me. I wrote this book years ago. And I said, I really would like to meet you. I feel like you might have some answers for me. And again, I was open to anything. I, I would read everything. And so I, I took a bus to Maine and I met her in Maine, a couple hours, probably three-hour bus ride. And she opened my eyes to naturopathy for the first time, traditional naturopathy, and to Ayurveda. I had, I had read Ayurveda. I had kind of read it at a, at a cursory level. But she put it together for me in about a half a dozen meetings with her, studying genetics and how that related to then ancient-based Ayurvedic philosophies. And she saw me start to make that turn. She knew that I was asking questions that were, were on the right path. She pushed me to go back to school to become a naturopath, to get my degree. She said, you've already done this work. And then myself, being the obsessed skeptic that I am, I said, you know what? Nothing really got me well. Everyone says they can get me well. I'm going to study all over the world, and I'm going to figure out the number one form of medicine, and that's what I'm going to practice, and I'm going to help people going forward. Well, being the skeptic that I am, I studied everywhere. I studied China, Sri Lanka, India multiple times, Europe in functional medicine, best clinics in the world, and the US. What I found was this is that every system in the world of medicine is the best. They're all the best. The problem is we're having a difficult time trying to figure out when to fit what patient with what modality. That's the only issue. Conventional medicine is amazing. Amazing. I mean, I love state-of-the-art conventional medicine. However, it's good for acute-based illnesses. It's not going to help people with chronic-based diseases. There's no chance. It it is never intended to do that. So what I found by studying overseas was that you can do miraculous things in Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, and different forms of traditional naturopathy. Now, my philosophy or or the way that I practice medicine now is combining the best with state of the art functional medicine lab testing with traditional ancient-based science that we know is being proven true today.
0: Oh, I love that you are doing this because it's so important. Because how can we say that one size fits all? And I want to now dive into the body types. Because I know just how important this is for our listeners to understand before anything else. I feel like if there is one gift that you and I can give to the listeners right now, it is to understand about their own body type because it goes way further than just influencing what you eat. Now, let's face it. As an example, you know, keto or low carb can be heaven for some people, but kryptonite for others. Raw vegan is just near impossible for some body types, but it can work well for some people done properly. So, tell our listeners how we can navigate all the confusion out there to figure out what is most supportive for them and their body type.
1: So this is an extremely deep topic, and it's one that I love to speak about. And honestly, I said that I'm going to dedicate the the latter part of 2018 to trying to bring the doshas, which they call it Ayurvedic medicine, or the body types to uh, to teaching that. I mean, that's what I want my my focus to be. But it is so in depth, Um, and, and here's why. I just did recently did a podcast on the Ayurvedic body clock, so. When you look at the Ayurvedic body types, and again, this is not... I just want to give people this just right off the bat. None of this is woo-woo-based, you know, ancient-based Eastern philosophies. All of this is proven through our now, I will call it modern day, and I have that in air quotes, science, meaning that the Vata body type matches up with the ectomorph in our conventional medicine. The Pitta body type matches up with the mesomorph, And the kapha body type measures up with the endomorph. Now, what are those? Well, the endomorph is, let's just say, it's the larger structured body type. Rounder face, smaller, shorter neck, um, more barrel-like chest, more curves on the body, so larger hips, And larger calves and and wrists. So basically, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, how do you get your calves that big if you're a male bodybuilder, something like that? Well, that's really genetic. I mean, let's, I I wanna talk about this in terms of generalities, meaning like a person who doesn't even weight train and they just have these very large calves. Well, that's gonna be the endomorphic body type. And then we have the mesomorph. That's going to be more of what we consider like an athletic build. Okay, they have very good muscular structure. They have broad shoulders. Uh, They're not always the tallest or the shortest. They're kind of medium in stature. But again, none of us are usually a pure body type. They're able to have more of a broad-based chest. They have more defined glutes, more defined muscles in general, and they have a more of a square jaw. They have more of defined facial features. We might consider them more of like that marine look or the model look. Now, the ectomorph or the vata, they're a thinner body type. They're thin fingers, very thin wrists, uh, almost more frail looking. And I know don't mean that in a bad or disrespectful way. And they have very very small calves, very thin calves, almost like no calves at all. Now, um, when we look at this, we have to understand that there are a couple things. So there's our Genotype. That's how we're born. That's our genetic body type. But then there's also a phenotype. A phenotype is what we become. Because you could be a truly Vata body type, a true Vata body type, thin, but through eating a lot of processed food and alcohol and all of those things, although it's difficult, you could end up putting on a lot of weight, especially around the stomach. So what I want to tell people is that there's your genetics, your genotype, which you are that you can't change, okay? Impossible to change. But then there's your phenotype of what you can do with your body to essentially create whatever type of body you have, but it's not always the healthiest thing as well. So my thing, although this goes deep, is to understand that there is no best body type. It took me a long time to come to grips with that with myself as well, because we always, we always want something typically that we don't have. So what I teach is having respect for your body and understanding that there is no such thing as wanting to be another body type. There is wanting to be your best body type, and that's it.
0: Oh, I love that. It's so powerful because a lot of people want to change it and I love that. So, okay, we fit into these three body types. Now, this might be a sticking point for many, but what does a true ectomorph or a vada body type do if they want to live a vegan lifestyle? I mean, it's great if you are a kapha or endo, but it's going to be hard for an ecto, the vada body type, because they generally have that weaker digestion and they might go too catabolic on a vegan diet. So, what do they do? If it's a moral or a spiritual choice, and they don't want to negatively impact their health,
1: I completely agree. And, and this is a real challenge; it really is. I've, um, I have been, and would love to be uh, vegan. Meaning, I was vegan when I was overseas um, studying in a lot of uh, these clinics and hospitals when I was interning there. Of course, Ayurvedic diets um, are promoting when you're during a detoxification-based protocol. You're typically following a vegan-based diet, and the challenge was, I have moral choices that I have to make, I have sustainability choices that I have to make, and then I have environmental choices that I have to make. And all of those tell me, do not eat meat, because they are not good for this planet, they're not good uh, for the animals. But what happens is, after not, not weeks, but months, my body's, I start to lose a lot of body mass. I start to then become more fatigued and tired. I use a lot of my own minerals, and my body becomes... Much more weak. When I start to then add back in some fish, some eggs, maybe meat a couple days a week, what happens is I'm a different person. I literally transform my body type from being too vata, too ectomorph, to a much stronger filled out body. And so those are things that I struggle with that a lot of other people struggle with as well. And you have to make the choice. So if you make the choice to be completely vegan, for moral, spiritual, environmental, all those reasons. I respect that. And I have to help you with that. But I can tell you right now, it's an uproad battle, just like you said, if you're an ectomorph, because a plant-based diet, which is what I'm recommending for everyone, but I'll qualify that at the end of, of how much of that. You have to understand that even plant-based proteins are not as anabolic as a, uh, uh, an animal-based protein, whether it's fish, eggs, dairy, any of those things. So again, you're just going to have to work harder. That's it. You can make it work, but usually you're going to need some supplementation, whether it be a um, vegan-based, protein-based shake, whether it's coming from hemp, rice, pea, you're going to have to add back in some nutritional supplements, such as magnesium, Uh, you're going to have to add in calcium and zinc, uh, glutamine. Those are things that the vada body type strips through very quickly, and the reason is they run more sympathetic nervous system dominant. So they typically produce more norepinephrine, dopamine, cortisol, until eventually they get burnt out and then they don't produce those as well. So you don't bring as much hydrochloric acid. You don't drop as much bile. You don't produce as many enzymes. And it typically leads to an imbalance in intestinal flora. So not only are you not able to digest all of that great food, you're also not able to absorb it as well.
0: I love this so much. So, there's so many people that come to me and they want this one size fits all and they ask me what I eat and what I do and I'm very reluctant to tell them because what works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else and this is why you and your work and seeking someone like yourself is so important because it's really about understanding yourself on a deep level and then doing what's right for you. For example, you know, I am a Pitta Kapha and I have digestion like a raging furnace and my husband is very jealous compared to him who is a vata pitta and he has a much weaker digestion and he's very jealous of my digestion but he says it to me all the time. For me, that translates as being able to practice intermittent fasting very easily and thrive and I get to eat a little bit more animal protein whereas for Nick, that is is the worst thing for him. Like intermittent fasting, it just doesn't support him. He gen and he generally needs softer, easy to digest and much higher carbohydrate diet than I do. And he needs a lot more calories every single day because he burns through everything he eats. And with our pit drive and determination, you know, we both need to be very mindful of our stress levels and stay super balanced. Otherwise, we can get very quickly tipped over the edge into overwhelm and stress. So, how does this understanding apply to other areas of our life, such as exercise and sleep and daily routines?
1: that's exactly correct it's it's understanding and respecting your body not only your your genotype of your body type your dosha but it's also where you're at currently in life and so you know there are times like during the winter time for example okay this is a perfect example i live in boston massachusetts It's cold, it's miserable, it's all of those things. And I love Boston, so I don't want to disrespect it. It's the best, you know, through like, let's say June through November, but just brutal during the January, February, March time. Now, if you're on a raw vegan diet, and that doesn't matter your body type, you know, pitta, yes, a pitta hot body type would do better then. But if you're on a raw vegan diet, which is cold and typically more um, uh, constricting, you're you're not going to feel great on it. Well, most people won't, and that's because your body naturally craves warmth and comfort and and all of those things. It knows innately, and you're fighting that. You're saying, "Well, no, I'm in this camp that's raw vegan. I have to do that." And that's what I don't love about the camps we put ourselves in. You know, okay, I do CrossFit, so everything has to be CrossFit. Well maybe not. Maybe you're not getting a lot of sleep or you just had, you know, your child was just born and you're getting like three or four hours of sleep a night and you have deadlines at work. And should you still at that point be going for PRs during your workouts? Well, maybe that's a time to step back to a little bit more Hatha yoga or some meditation or Tai Chi or Qigong or Epsom salt soaks. It's about respecting where you're at now, understanding it doesn't have to be your whole life. So when I work with people in my practice, I let them know, all right, here's what we're going to do for the next 12 to 16 weeks. You know, I can get I can help most people get well rebalance their body in about 12 to 16 weeks because that's what it takes for cell turnover to basically happen. After that, it's a different plan meaning that once you're balanced you can start to do different things. It's also seasonal. So if you don't mind, I would love to to just talk about your since people know you, you have an amazing community, um, you know, you've just built up all this great camaraderie I think and you're doing such great work. Your body type if you don't mind me interjecting is really like 70% pitta. you know, And then you have about 15% vada and about 15% kapha. And I can actually go through your body type if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, go for
1: it. If we look at your hairline. So actually, it's, it's funny because um, I pulled up your, your podcast page and I, I love your podcast is amazing anyways, of course, everyone listening to this knows that. But there was a photo of you doing acro yoga, and I was like, okay, we're going to talk about body types. This is the perfect one to talk about. So your hairline in here is the pitta here. So again, I can get into why that is. Forehead is pitta. Eyebrows for you is pitta. Eyes, kapha. Your nose is pitta. Your shape of your face is vata pitta. Your teeth are vata. Your lips are vata. Your neck is pitta vata. Your shoulders are pitta. Your chest is pitta. Your waist is pitta. Your hips are pitta kapha. Your legs are then pitta kapha. So when you look at this person's body, I say, okay, their overall pitta. And so we would call you in Ayurvedic medicine, a P3 or predominantly pitta, a K1 V1. Does that make sense? So you're predominantly pitta. So when I, when I look at this person, I say, okay, during the warm weather, this person needs cooling foods. They're going to want to do cooling based activities because they're going to get more aggressive during the hot weather. They're going to feel more irritable, more on edge. They're going to need less sleep because their body's already fired up. But then during the winter, then we can do a little bit more of that um, you know, warming-based foods. And we also have to be a little bit more careful about weight gain and those extra starches and calories during the colder months because their body's going to naturally start to lower, go to more hypothyroidism and, and add a little bit more weight. But during the, win- during the summertime, that fire is going to be burning strong. They're going to be able to take in more starches, more calories. Does that make sense?
0: You are describing me to a T.
1: <laughs> so that's, and that's when you know someone's body type, you know, you know them without knowing them. And that's the amazing thing. So, and, but you also, though, just know that when your vata gets too high, too many deadlines, not eating enough calories, too much intermittent fasting, you're going to start to get a little anxious, a little bit overwhelmed, a little irritable, a little fearful of what the future is. And so you also have to watch out for that as well
0: exactly right. That is exactly me. And I just love that you have taken all of these different healing modalities that you have studied from all over the world, Western and Eastern, like you've gone everywhere. And I love that you don't have this one size fits all. And I just really, really, really want to encourage the listeners to explore this within themselves because it's so important. And, you know, something as seemingly simple as taking the standard advice to drinking two liters of water a day can be very depleting for an ectomorph or, you know, the very popular high-fat diet right now could cause big problems for some people. Or even the recommended daily serving of dairy for the majority of the population just doesn't work because most people react to casein, which is the protein in dairy. So, what other common pieces of supposedly standard, and I'm doing inverted commas here, uh, could be detrimental for some people?
1: I'll tell you right now, just one, and I haven't... So just like you said, I have no horse in the game at all. And and that's because there is no... There's no winner. like There really isn't. Like, no one... It's all about ego a lot of times, and and it's about dogma. So you're either... Uh, and again, I, I have no problem with CrossFit. I have no problem with low carb. I have no problem with this or that. But what I'm saying is when you get so dogmatic that everyone should be doing this and that it is the cure-all... All of a sudden, when I hear that from someone, immediately I just shut off just because I say, you could have amazing information, but you're too deep down your own rabbit hole. And that's the problem. Because I'll tell you right now, the most detrimental thing I hear right now is intermittent fasting and keto-based diets. And I just want to explain those, if you don't mind, just for one moment. And it's because there's so much confusion around the two. So... With a keto-based diet, well, first of all, we're confusing a lot of time a low-carb diet with a keto-based diet. A low-carb diet, I can get behind. We have two practices in Boston, one predominantly dedicated to helping people lose weight, following nutrition, that, that standpoint, and the other is functional medicine and naturopathy. So, you know, that, that's what we believe in. We help people lose weight for the most part by following a nutrition plan, uh, by losing the weight, by eating better, all of those things, then a lot of times they get well along the way. But for those people who don't get well, okay, we can help them from, from a functional medicine uh, capacity and then help them live longer through anti aging based protocols. However, a low carb diet is not bad in the short term. It's not. But what happens is when we start talking about ketosis, now ketosis is very different from a low carb diet. Ketosis is, is really following about 5% carbohydrates up to about 50 grams of carbs max per day, but it's also getting into a state where in your blood you're producing, producing ketones in about the 0.5 to 5 millimole range. That, that's real ketosis. Now, that is not healthy. That is a starvation-based diet. I know that people are claiming all of these things for fighting cancer, and I can agree. Let's call ketosis a tumor-based, cancer-based diet. I can get behind that. I can believe that research because I'm a science-based person. I agree with that. But if you're telling me you want one way to put someone into a really stressed based environment, why would our body be able to use ketones? It would be able to survive on ketones when it ran out of food. When you had no more food, that was it. And you had to literally go days or weeks with some type of fuel source for both body and brain that allowed you to survive. But in no sense would your body say, you know what? I prefer not to use any glucose. It's just this dogmatic thinking that we only have to use one source. People write into me all the time How do I get, how do I use fat as my preferred fuel source? Well, you do that every single day of your life when you're not in this thing called fast glycolysis. Your body is literally using fat as its preferred fuel source when you're sit when you're seated, when you're in bed, when you're literally walking. It's only using sugar as its preferred fuel source when you're doing high interval intensity training. Like that's legitimately it. So it's a very confused mindset, but I understand where it's coming from because it's propagated by the media, because it's the new cool thing. And because there's science behind it saying that this works as an anti-cancer or, or when you have. Tumor based growth. Why? Well, because you're not feeding the tumors sugar and they survive in what's called a, uh, a lactic acid based state, a fermentation based state. But it's not the only way to kill cancer cells as well. So it's, it's perverted, it's incorrect for the long term, and it's making a lot of people sick. And I'm, I'm really worried about it, especially when we look at genetics, knowing that about 26% of the population has a specific gene called the ApoEB gene that has a specific allele, which is a number four. If you give those people a high-saturated fat diet, it makes them so much worse, so much more inflamed. It leads to increased of bad cholesterol. So I'm worried about that. And and also, if, if you don't mind, then I'll also talk about intermittent fasting as well.
0: Yeah, please do. Go for it. This is just mind-blowing and I'm so glad that you are talking about this. So please keep going.
1: So intermittent fasting is also this, this beautiful thing that that natural Practitioners have been using since, let's call it the 1800s, when traditional naturopaths uh, really kind of came about. So there's this thing called natural hygienists. Natural hygienists is which I wish I could call myself would be a natural hygienist, but it makes yourself sound like a dental hygienist, like it's just you know not the right term anymore. But really, what they did was they helped people from a natural based perspective. They got them out into nature. They did cold baths. They did saunas and, and huts, and they did all of these different things. And a big thing they did is fasting. Now, fasting worked tremendously well 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and that's because we weren't exposed to the 77,000-plus man-made synthetic chemicals in the environment. So now, our liver, kidneys, blood is forced to deal with these synthetic chemicals like dioxins, PCBs, all of these environmental-based things that we're not equipped to deal with. What happens is our body must figure out a way to detox these things. Our phase one, phase two, detox the liver. We can talk about that if we have time. But what happens is we also store those things in our fat cells, our adipose tissue. And it does that as a very safe way to get rid of these toxins in our bloodstream, which are toxic, which which would kill us, literally. So that's why a lot of people gain weight and they can't figure out why. I'm not overeating. I'm exercising enough. I'm moving my body. Why am I gaining weight? Why is my fat so stubborn to get rid of? Well, it's partially protecting you. And that's because there's an inflammation-based cycle. There's an estrogen-dominance-based estrogen cycle. There's a high cortisol-based cycle that's keeping you there. And when you do burn this body fat in a keto-based diet or a low-carb diet, you could potentially make yourself sick. You can because your adipose tissue, your body fat is 300 times more toxic than your blood. This isn't to scare anyone because you can easily detox. You can. like This is not to scare you, but our our older school, our traditional naturopaths used to fast people days or weeks. Herbert Shelton, one of the amazing naturopaths, fasted 35,000 people, helped them get well through a myriad of base diseases. Now, how do we do this today? Well, I still believe in a 12-hour overnight fast. 7 o'clock at night to 7 in the morning, 8 o'clock at night to 8 in the morning, 6 o'clock at night to 6 in the morning. Get yourself the 12 hours. This is called a period like in Ayurvedic medicine, or if we look at even the yin-yang symbol from Chinese medicine. If everyone could take one thing away, it's that everything in your body can be healed as long as you create balance. And the only reason you haven't lost the weight, the only reason you're not well right now, and the only reason you don't have as much vitality as you could possibly imagine is because you're not balanced. You're pushed too far in one direction. So when you look at the yin-yang symbol and you see half and half, okay? Half dark, half light. You have to understand that half of our day should be dedicated to downtime, six to six, seven to seven. The sun starts to go down, we start to relax. We should have that happen. We should stop eating. That is our time to rebuild and rejuvenate. But we've lost that. We've only lost that in the last couple hundred years with electricity. Because I'll tell you right now, all these people who think they're night owls are confused. And I know there's research saying, oh, well, these people produce more cortisol at night. They only produce more cortisol at night because they're stressed. They have a to-do list and they're still working and there's light on. But if you put them outside in, in a campsite, three weeks, okay? Three weeks where the sun starts to go down, no electricity, believe me, when you're forced to wake up at 5.30 in the morning you're going to be tired by 5.30 at night. You're going to start to wind down your day. You will reset into a natural circadian rhythm. That is when you're supposed to stop eating and you start eating the next day. And one more point I just want to make. Now, in 2016, just last year, the Nobel Prize, which nobody talks about this, the Nobel Prize in medicine went to a Japanese doctor who uh, came up with this thing called autophagy. It was already around, but autophagy means that when you are not eating, your body is allowing you to kill cancer cells and to remove this disease based state of pathogens in your blood by itself so if we give the period if we give the body a period where it's not getting in new toxins from food because our food does get broken down into particular toxins our body can begin to heal itself but if we're always eating if we never stop Midnight snacks or snacking before bed, which is the worst thing you can do. For most people, I call it the 1% rule. 1% of people always you know, fight this rule, of course. There's always a contradiction to every single rule. Then those people will be able to start to tap into the healing-based process. Now, the last thing I'll say is this. We take a beautiful thing like intermittent fasting, 12 hours a day, and we extend it to 16 hours, 18 hours. 20 hours, one meal a day. And all of a sudden, we've taken this thing and we've put people now in a truly catabolic state where they're go, go, go all the time. And now you're putting them in a state where there's no food. When you do not have food, but you're requiring your body to use glucose because you're in a fight or flight-based state and it doesn't have it, it's going to start to either break down liver glycogen or muscle-based tissue. So I could go on and on about this for an hour, but we have to understand, unless you're literally in a relaxed state in the morning, that you're just meditating, you're doing hatha yoga, you're just in a, you know, a relaxed-based state, you're probably going to have to eat something for breakfast. That's the bottom line.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so mind blowing. And I'm so glad that you are speaking up about all of this. It's so important because there are many fads out there at the moment. And it's very easy to get swept up and charmed by the latest one. But we really have to come back to understanding our body type. And for example, like, you know, ketosis for Nick and his body type, it just did not support him it was not serving him but for me you know that sort of thing I could do it for a period of time not all of the time but I understand my body and the more and more I listen to your podcast and and uh, read your work the more I understand about my own body type and it's interesting because Nick and I are so different and and he will say to me oh you know, well, look at how you do that and, and look at how I do that. Or well, look at how you can digest that and look at how I can't digest that. And we're constantly like having this conversation around how different our body types are, and it's really, really amazing. It's it's mind-blowing. So let's talk about protocols now, because this is something that is really coming up a lot how can well-meaning practitioners put their clients on a one-size-fits-all protocol? I mean, it just seems crazy to me now. But what I love about your work is that you are one of the only people I have ever heard talk about this, which is why you get such amazing results with your clients from everyday mums and their kids to film directors and and elite athletes, your work applies to all types of people because you cater for all types of body types. You don't have this one size fits all model, which I love so much. So, how can our well meaning practitioners put us on these one size fits all protocols? I mean, it just seems crazy.
1: I agree. But, you know, the, the truth is that this type of work uh, takes a lot of work and that also then takes a lot of time so there's there's a couple things that you know I would like to mention and that's I, sometimes i give conventional medicine a hard time about just you know you come in with x they give you y for a prescription and then you know you ask well okay how long do you think i'll be taking this for and they say well you know forever and that's it. Like that's, and then if you start to get worse, they just switch the drug or they give you a higher dosage. So, but you know, the, the truth is that that's what the me- that medical system is set up to do. They have 15 minutes with you. I mean, what are they supposed to do? They're not taught about nutrition in school and they're not taught about nutritional supplements. And they say, you know, like people come in and say, oh, well, my doctor says that there's no truth to nutritional supplements. And I say, well, you know, with all due respect, then your doctor actually has done zero research because if you want to name any supplement, like literally name any mineral, vitamin, whatever in the world, and I'll just pull you up a mountain of research, and this is this is conventional medicine-based research. It's not you know naturopathic-based research or whatever you want to call it. But so the truth is that th- there's a few things you can do, and, and one I want to step back because sometimes I do let my my you know zest for this um, you know individuality overtake things, and I want to let people know there's a time and place for keto. There's a time and place for longer intermittent fasting, and there's a time and place for you know going low carb but I, one thing I want to mention is that, like you said you you might be in more low carb than keto it's It's just a different thing like it's just it's your body is just going lower carb, so you're able to tap into more body fat like it just changes, meaning that that's okay and also, like you just mentioned, you just said a really smart thing that it works for a period of time, and I love that because we put our body uh like our body transformation clients on a three week lower-carb nutrition plan, okay? So then after that, though, they start to then add back in more fruit, lower glycemic fruit. And then they start to add back in more starch. So that's what I'm going to talk about, how you put people on a plan. So here's what happens, though. And this is the hard part, because guys do great with lower-carb, for the most part, as a pitta or endomorph. And women don't do well with it. And there's a reason why, and it's reproductive-based. So women end up starting to lower their thyroid on a low-carb diet after somewhere about the three- to six-week mark. That's what I find. How do I know this? It's because I, I, I'm, you know, I practice in a clinic. We run thousands of lab tests. I, we've completed over 250,000 client appointments. I have as much data pretty much as the largest research institute you could find. And I don't say that out of an ego-based perspective. I say that to say... We have results. We know it works. Our job is to share that with other people for free so they can start to understand why. When women go on low-carb, their thyroid starts to go low. It does that out of a protective-based mechanism. They slow metabolism because they need to preserve body fat to preserve their body's ability to survive. So now they'd be able to survive. Their, their basal metabolic rate might be 2,000 calories a day. Okay, they drop that down to 1,600 calories. Now they can survive in nature without food at 1,600 calories. Okay, you go a little longer. Okay, now you're down to 1,200. We drop the thyroid even more. You start to get a little colder in body temperature. Hair starts to get a little thinner. You become a little bit more catabolic. All of a sudden, you start to drop those hypothyroid levels even more. Progesterone starts to fall. You now become infertile. We we deal with so much infertility issues that we just say, oh, well, you know, it's just genetic or it's just this. No, it's not. It's not. These are normal processes. Your body's not messing up. I want the biggest thing I have to tell you, my body didn't mess up 20 years ago. Your body's not messing up today. It's a product of what you're dealing with in your environment. 95% of all disease, throw your genetics out the window. 95% of all disease is lifestyle and diet. It doesn't mean that you're trying to do the wrong thing. It just means that whatever's going on right now, your environment, internal and external, is incorrect. It's incompatible with your body. I thought I was doing great at 20 years old. I wasn't. It was just incompatible with my body. So now we have this infertility because your body's saying, you know what, the environment you're living in right now is too stressful. Why would we bring a child into this environment? Nature knows. When you disrespect your body type, when you disrespect nature, you're going to get in trouble. That's the bottom line
0: oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I can imagine a lot of women right now, their jaw is just like on the floor going, "Oh, my goodness," and I don't want anyone to beat themselves up if they have been doing something a certain way because, like you said, the body can heal, given half the chance. the body is freaking incredible
1: I agree, and that that's the thing, and I always like to tell people so. I think I messed up more than anybody else in the, you know, the history of the world. I did everything wrong. But because I did everything wrong, I eventually figured it out. You, the, the trick is this, is that don't keep repeating the same mistakes though. So if you don't do the right thing, that's okay. Just mark it off the list. Learn from it. Keep a journal. Okay, doing this didn't work. Good. You have one more way that isn't going to work. I tell people all the time, there's only so many ways that you can get well. We're going to figure it out. You could be the worst mystery case in the world. Legitimately. You could be the worst case. Nobody could figure it out. We'll figure it out. And the reason is this. One, we're not going to give up. That's the bottom line. We're not going to give up. And never... Because why? Because we can't. What's the point? If you give up, you still have to live life. So you're going to live life miserable? No. Let's at least put forth some effort. All right. The second thing is we're going to figure out everything that doesn't work on our way to learning what does work. And so when you talk about like how do we give a one-all program. Well, we have to give people something. So in my practice, we test. I know a lot of practitioners say, well, just do something. I agree. I agree. You have to do something. But if you're able to lab test, well, now you cut your learning curve, not by half, you cut it by like 80 or 90% because you can look at the gut microbiome. Do you have candida overgrowth? Do you have SIBO? which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Have you taken antibiotics before? What does your autonomic nervous system look like? Meaning like, are you stressed? You might not think you're stressed because stress is your normal, right? I get people like three months, four months later, they said, I never knew what it was like to wake up and not feel like I was trying to beat the clock. I don't know what to do with my life right now because I have more energy than I've ever had before. Meaning like, you don't know right now what it feels like to be at your peak. I'll tell you right now, 20 plus years later, I feel better than I did at my peak at 15 years old, 16 years old. And each year feels better than the last. I don't know how long that will last, but I'll tell you right now, that's not supposed to happen. So how is it happening? Well, even myself, I've been through it all. Each year, I'm tweaking. I'm tweaking. It's like I'm constantly trying to take that race car and just add a little bit more to it, a little bit more octane that I could take myself further in life that gives me more energy. And also, as we were talking about before, remember, um, like you were saying with Nick and yourself, when you know you're healed is when Nick could eat larger amounts of animal protein and when you could go without larger amounts of animal protein. Because I agree the pitta body type does great with more protein like it's the only body type that does great with a good amount of protein no one else does but when you can go a week without it when the vata body type can go a week without sleep or you know go without a night without sleep which would typically knock them out or you know an, another body type could eat that heavy protein and feel fine digestively you know you've made it you've balanced your body type because you know that that's not healthy in the long run But in the short term, you should be able to do anything with your body and it stays balanced. That's how you know your reserves have been built back up.
0: I love that. So it's constantly about the balance, you know, and tuning back in. And I love that it's a journey and we continue to tweak. I think a lot of people want this one size fits all quick fix pill that is going to heal them and give them energy, but it's a journey. And it's like you said, you're still on yours. It's about constantly tweaking, constantly rebalancing. And I'm sure you've had people come to you who are just the worst case, quote unquote, that, you know, they've tried everything and they've kind of probably lost hope, I can imagine. Has that been the case for a lot of people that come to you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the, the unfortunate part, so it's basically a blessing and a curse, right? So the people who come to me, have typically been to a half a dozen specialists and have been dealing with this for years. So it would be so great if I saw them when they just first started to not feel well. But they don't at that point because it hasn't entered into that mindset. So the hard part is I'm dealing with someone who has years of rust on the body. And that, you know, so here's the thing. A lot of people can feel better within 21 days. And that's because there's two things that are going on. If we want to break this down to its core, the reason we become imbalanced is because we accumulate too much toxicity. There's too many environmental toxins and there's too many internal toxins, such as, um, stress based metabolites, hormone based metabolites, food based pathogens, all of those things. But there's also, so that's the toxicity we build up. Now there's also though the deficiencies. So we get deficient in vitamins and minerals, sometimes because we use them up too fast because of stress. And a lot of times, because our digestion gets so weak, because of improper nutrition, and improper food combining, and eating too often or too frequent, or, or just incorrectly incompatible with our or with our lifestyle and our body, that we then do not absorb the foods as well. Okay, so we become deficient in vitamins and minerals and neurotransmitters and all these different things. And so my job then is to figure out what are the toxicities, and we can do that through lab testing, and what are the deficiencies, and again we can do that through lab testing. I can replace those very quickly at a blood-based level. Meaning I could just get them back into their body. And yes, we do that through nutritional supplements in the in the beginning. And again, a lot of people are idealists and I was as well. Meaning that I would love to do this all through food. And believe me, I understand that. And I would love to do that as well. And we eventually get there. But in the beginning, if your digestive system is weak, you can eat the best food in the world, it doesn't matter. You cannot break down your food. Good luck trying to grind up that food. You know, we don't have a rumen. You know, we just don't. We only have one stomach. We're not like these cows that can, you know, churn it through multiple stomachs and regurgitate it, chew it again and bring it down. That's not going to happen. So we have to first give our body what it's deficient in, start to detoxify the body through, you know, true functional medicine-based detoxification. And you can start to feel well quickly. Now, there are always those people, though, that I call them like the wilted plant or the wilted flower. How do you bring that back? Within 21 days. Like, that's just, they need true care. You need to be tending to that flower every hour of the day, just the right amount of water, changing the soil, the proper sunlight, not too much, not too little. They're just more fragile. They're more delicate because it's been so long and their body's been so weathered that it just takes a little bit more care, but it can be done. You can do it. There's hope for everyone. Trust me. If I can come back from diseases that you're not supposed to be coming back from, anyone could do it. You really can.
0: Thank you for saying that. I really, really appreciate it. And I just love the work that you're doing. And I also wanted to quickly touch on one more thing before I turn the spotlight onto you. Another thing that's really popular and hot at the moment is is fermented foods and probiotics and bone broths. And I just want you to just share how going out and smashing fermented foods and probiotics and bone broths may not be the best thing for some people.
1: You know, this is one of those things where it's, it's really hard for me because I know the experts, the practitioners, the gurus, that everyone that recommends it, they're doing it out of trying to help people. I don't know a single health practitioner that's looking to hurt anyone. I mean, that's the bottom line. Every one of us are just trying to do our best to care for others, and I respect that. But the people who need it the most are the ones who are being most harmed by fermented foods and bone broth. And that's the worst part about this. Meaning this, the people with the gut dysfunction, the SIBO, the candida, the overgrowth should not be using these foods. And that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing about this. It's like healthy people can do that. Healthy people can do bone broth. Healthy people can do fermented foods because they have a balanced gut. But you can't do that. I mean, So here's the thing, because I know that I can sometimes get off in tangents. I work... About two-thirds of my practice is digestive-based. And the reason is that 80% of our immune system lies within the digestive tract. Most people have some type of digestive-based dysfunction. We can run specific lab tests to actually show people what the dysfunction is. A lot of people, they've taken antibiotics, they've taken birth control, Advil, alcohol, any of the things that can disrupt our gut microbiome. Okay. So what happens is, if we get bacterial overgrowth in the gut, which is as simple as taking literally antibiotics One time in some people that are susceptible or from birth. A lot of people don't know your your mom, which again, like no disrespect to our moms, but something wasn't right with my gut microbiome. Our moms pass on their gut bacteria or their bacteria to us. And if it isn't balanced from the beginning of life, well, then sometimes that can set up with certain issues. But if we have bacterial overgrowth, if we have candida overgrowth, so that means overall bacterial overgrowth, does it make sense to put more bacteria into 26 to 28 feet of intestinal tract that's already loaded up with bacteria. To me, it doesn't make sense. And I can back that up through clinical practice. What people need is not more probiotics. And here's the thing as well. If you look at the small intestine, it has different probiotics. It has different microbiome, meaning that when you look at the bifidobacterium-based strains, those are mainly colon-based. They're meant to be in your colon, Your small intestine comes before your colon. If you put those into your mouth, they have to go through your small intestine. If your small intestine is not balanced with enough lactobacilli, then those colon-based strains can stick in the small intestine. Now, you just literally gave yourself SIBO. You gave yourself small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So what I'm trying to say is this. A lot of times what we need to do... uh, This is my whole thing. This thing and I wrote about this in, in my new book is just... Sometimes the healing process is addition by subtraction. We're always adding more. Oh, we need more B12. We need more coenzyme Q10. We need more bone broth. We need more fermented vegetables, more probiotics. No, we don't. Sometimes we have too much of everything. If you think about it, we live. a lot of us who are listening to this podcast, we're very blessed. We live in societies where we have unlimited access to food anytime we want. We have refrigerators and cabinets full of food. We, we don't go for anything, right? A worst thing is we're stuck in an airport and we're trying to figure out our best choice. But what happens then is we always have access to everything. We have too much. The way to get well a lot of times is through some type of fasting, is through detoxification, is through these candida and bacterial overgrowth removing protocols. and then And then at that point, we can start to add back in. The good probiotics, one strain at a time. First, the small intestinal-based strains, then both strains, the colon and the small intestine. And then after that, yes, we can seal up the gut with some bone broth, with some fermented vegetables, a very small amount at a time. Because a lot of people have gut-based issues have histamine-based issues. Try giving someone bone broth or fermented vegetables that to have histamine-based issues. It's going to flare them up like you wouldn't believe. And it takes one and no one. I had something called mastocytosis, I would get knocked out with brain fog and itchy eyes like you wouldn't believe if I had bone broth. And again, I went through the gap space protocol and I have the highest respect for Dr. Campbell. Her work is amazing. Amazing. But just remember, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. That's all.
0: Mm, Thank you so much. This is just amazing. I am loving this conversation so much and just can't thank you enough for being a voice and for the books and the podcasts and the work that you're doing. I'm just so deeply grateful. So now I would love to turn the spotlight onto you now. And I'd love to ask you, what is one thing that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now?
1: Probably the most joy is that for the very first time, I think, in my life, I've I've created a lot of balance. And it took a long time to get here. And that's why I want people to respect their journey and understand that it, it might take a little while to get there, but in the end, it's worth it. So what I did was, I knew in the long run what I wanted for a practice, and what I wanted out of life. I have two girls right now, two young girls. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old daughter. And right now, it's a much is as much about my my work uh, as it is about family. Meaning that I understand. And I never, never thought the saying I would understand it, you know, your kids grow up so fast. I have a five-year-old, like, how did that happen? And I know that I have like another 10 years, that's it. I only have like, tw- and I know this gets like really deep, but I only have twice the amount that I've had her. That's it. And then she's a teenager. And so what I have to do is understand that there are these life cycles. It's what Ayurveda talks about. The body types is not just about our body itself. It's about psychology, philosophy, science, the seasons, and life. Okay, uh, kapha is the first stage of life. Pitta is the middle stage. It's about about growth and drive and all those things. And then vata is the end, the catabolism, all those things. And you can balance all of those. But right now, for really the first time, I'm understanding that balance. I'm not doing as much speaking. I'm not doing as much traveling because it's time away from my girls. So if you're telling me that you would, if if I'm going to speak to a group, uh, that's what I love to do. I wish I could spend all of my days doing that, but I have to understand that right now it's about balance, and, and I feel like that 's really bringing me a lot of joy right now is, is understanding that
0: beautiful, thank you for sharing that. What is one thing that you are working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment?
1: This goes along the same line, and that you know I, I always say like if I wish I had a superpower it's so that I would never i, could, I didn't have to sleep you know <laughs> because I have this ectomorph body type that has the the drive of the The pitta. So my body type is predominantly ectomorph, but I have kapha in there and I have pitta in there, and and I have this go 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 this this drive, but that drive burns me out, and that's the hard thing is that I've always had this, and I have to reel that back in, and the thing that I've been realizing, and I've only so that's why I tell people like you have time, it's all a journey, it's all a process. So in my, in my like perfect vision, I would love to be able to work all the time. It's like do my podcast, do my writing, do videos, speak all over the world to, to try to help people. And the reason I'm, I'm passionate about that isn't for any other reason except that I don't want people to have to suffer for as long as I did. I understand that suffering and going through these things is all part of our journey, but I just don't want it to be for that length of time. However, I have to pull back at the real end. And then I also have to, I've had this realization that, and it's really important for everyone to realize this, is that it's almost like a race to nowhere. And that's why I kind of step back and laugh. Like, what am I racing <laughs> towards? Like, what is this? There, there <laughs> is no end. Like, meaning that this is it. Like, this is it. What I'm doing right now with my family, with my friends, speaking with you right now, it's all about... This moment, it's about connecting with other people, and that everything is good, even if you're suffering right now. Like, remember, this is all part of the journey. Everything is good, and when you get well, okay, that's just going to be a new journey. There is nowhere to get to; it's just a continual journey. So, that that to me is always what I'm working on. I'll always work on it, and, and that's something I want to share with others as well.
0: I can totally relate because I'm the same. Like, I wake up in the morning, and I can't wait to get into my work, whether it's writing a book or creating a program or my podcast, whatever it is that I'm working on that day. like I love it and I could go all day long, but I know that that will really imbalance me if I did that. So, that's something I'm constantly working on as well is finding that balance between the two. So, thank you for sharing that. The next question I want to ask you is, let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Besides your books, let's pretend they're already in the school curriculum. What is one other book you would choose?
1: Hands down, it has to be a book on mindset. And that's because it's the most important thing that's never told. It's the most important story that's never told is that every thought that you have leads to some action that you eventually take. And those actions, when they're added up, become the sum of your life. So if you don't like where you are right now in life, you're not to be blamed because you didn't understand this before. But you've been taking actions that have led you to this moment. And most likely, the thoughts are in a negative place. And those negative thoughts, predominant thoughts, are leading you to negative based actions. So when we understand this, we have the ability to transform our life. And until you're told that, until you understand that, it's very, very difficult to make any headway. Because I'll tell you right now, the only people I see who don't achieve their weight loss goals, who don't get well, and do don't live a life of just vitality, are the ones who don't believe, who don't think that, well, people like me, don't get well or everyone in my family suffers from this or this is the way that it's always been or I'm just this type of person. When you have that mindset, you can almost be assured even if you get well or lose the weight, you're going to come back to your set point, which is your belief-based model. And until you change that, nothing else matters. I'll tell you right now, everyone in my practice that I see can get well. And the only people who don't are the ones Who just truly believe? Who take on the role of the victim? And it's unfortunate. And again, I'm not coming down on those people because I was that person. So when I say right now, I wake up ready to go before the rest of the world. Basically, before the sunset, before the sun rises, it's important me to get up before the rest of my family. But it wasn't always like that. I suffered from dramatic brain fog and flu-like symptoms for many years. So now, though, the first thing that had to happen, and I want to mention this, and so because you might be. Feeling this way yourself. I was an insomniac. I was depressed. I was anxious. I hated my life. I had a temper. I was irritable. I was not a fun person to be around. I was not positive. What changed my life was reading books on self improvement. That's where it started. Not with natural medicine. Believe me, I tried natural medicine. I didn't get well. And I was a victim. I saw everyone around me dealing with these things, and I was in a bad spot. I had to remove myself from a lot of those negative based environments. I had a really bad night one night. It was, you know, who knows, my 10th night in a row of not being able to sleep. And it was probably like two or three in the morning. I knew I wasn't going to be able to fall asleep that night. I was really upset, probably crying again during the middle of the night, you know, 22 year old crying in bed, having a really tough night, depressed, anxious, didn't know what he was doing with his life, didn't know what I could possibly do with my life because how could I go on with my life feeling like this? Something just struck me. I don't know what, like, I don't know where it came from because no one had ever taught me this, that I decided that night no matter how sick I was, that this was not going to be my life. That was it. I just was not going to be the victim. And I didn't care if I never got well again. I said that to myself. I don't care if I can't swallow properly, if my digestive system hurts, if my eyes are always swollen, if I always have brain fog. It doesn't matter. I was not going to complain about it. I was not going to feel bad for myself. And then if it took the rest of my life I was going to work on it in order to get well. And no matter what, I was still going to go about everything else that I wanted to do with my life. That was it. That was a change. And yes, did I get sick after that? Of course. I relapsed multiple times. And I felt, I felt bad for myself. But each time, me feeling bad for myself only lasted days. And then it only lasted hours. When I have a bad day, I say to myself this, this is a bad day. These are not good circumstances. I'm not happy right now. You know what? That's Okay. When I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be a new day, and I'm going to deal with it then. That's it.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Is there one book in particular on mindset that you have in mind, or any book on mindset?
1: So I get a lot of recommendations, like for natural health, and practitioners ask me like, "What book should I read?" The hard thing is that one book leads to the next. Exactly. So people ask me again, like, "How did you read you know three thousand plus books?" As well, I read one book, and then I'm like, "I've never heard about this topic before." And then I read another book by another author, and I just kept going. But you know, I don't want to leave that that open ended. So you need a place to start. And there's some really approachable books out there. Um, one of them is The Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. It's a great book. You know, there's a little bit of religious undertone, but again, you don't have to be religious to read this book. And I think it's a great place. It just starts to talk about how we have two minds: our conscious mind and our subconscious minds, and our subconscious mind. Really dictates the thoughts that we're having and the programs that we're running on. I was running on really poor conditioning. I found out as a child and it wasn't my parents fault. My parents did the best that they could with what they were taught, but it's okay. You know, at some point in your life, you have to decide to change. And I decided that those that the conditioning, the wiring that I was given as a child was no longer serving me and it was not going to lead me down the path that I wanted to take. So I had to change.
0: Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. I can't wait to read that book. It sounds great. Now, let's talk about your day and how your day looks. I am obsessed with hearing about how people prime themselves as Tony Robbins says for the day. So, do you have a morning routine that sets you up for
1: success? Absolutely, and it's the number one thing that I recommend. So, if someone does nothing else, like literally nothing else in the world, I believe in having a morning routine. And it's because if you don't then you're not setting yourself up for success. You're setting yourself up to have a stressful day and a chaotic-based day. And that does not lead you to the life that you want to live. So your your successful day the next day starts with what you do the night before. And that's creating a to-do list. You script out your day. A lot of people say, well, I'm not going to script out my day. It's too rigid. It's too whatever. And I want to be more free. Well, trust me. Freedom comes from routine. And it comes from rhythms. The more decisions you need to make during a day, the more brain fatigue you're going to have, the more bandwidth you're going to decrease. It's really important that you script your day. And it could be having lunch, it could be you know us doing this podcast, all of these things. When you know what's coming next, it allows your brain to relax. You don't have to keep the tabs open on the internet window, You know, always there to see, okay, what's coming next? It's already there. So now, when you wake up that next morning, what I recommend, the highest thing that I recommend is do not hit that snooze button. If you hit that snooze button, it tells your body to start to lower the cortisol. No, you want the natural cortisol rise. You want it. You keep that going. You want the natural dopamine rise. That is what's going to allow you to jump out of bed and get yourself ready for the day. I always tell people to then hydrate. You've gone at least eight hours, probably 10 hours without any liquid. Do a greens-based powder, or at least just do some room-temperature water with a squeeze of lemon, maybe a pinch of sea salt. I call that natural Gatorade, meaning that lemon or lime contains a lot of potassium. Sea salt, obviously, is the sodium. You get a nice balance right there. The minerals hydrate the body. It helps to cleanse the palate, cleanse the liver, all of those things. And then I usually just say, like, just get ready for your day. You can meditate, yes, but if it's the body type that's a little bit more sluggish, let's say it's the endomorph, the kapha, or it's winter time, get out of bed. Take a nice warm shower. Get your body ready for the day. But don't stimulate it. Do not stimulate your body too early in the morning. And here's why. You are going to most likely have all sorts of different challenges on your day. So what I do personally is I have a morning routine where I ease into the day. I tell people, no matter what time you wake up right now, try to wake up 30 minutes earlier. Get yourself 60 minutes to 90 minutes possibly, if you can, of you time. Most people never give themselves any time, which is why they're frustrated and overwhelmed. If you give yourself a little bit of time in the morning just for you, before the kids wake up, before your spouse, your partner, before work, whatever it is, ease into the day. You'll be so much happier. You won't be trying to beat the clock, and that will allow you then to make a nice smoothie in the morning, which is exactly what I do every morning. This is so important. You do not want the heavy breakfast. A paleo-based diet is not waking up to bacon and eggs in the morning, a grass-fed burger at lunch, and salmon for dinner. Trust me, none of your ancestors had access to that much heavy food at all. Like it's just That's a ridiculous concept that did not exist thousands of years ago. So eat an easy-to-digest breakfast. The easiest way to kill all of your energy for the day is to have a heavy breakfast because 30% of all energy goes to digestion. So have either a liquid-based smoothie have a little bit of... If you want some oatmeal, warm oatmeal during the winter, if you don't do grains, that's okay too. You can do other things as well. Just easy to digest. So that's what I do. And then I I just start my day.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Now I'd love to hear what are three things you're most recently grateful for in your life?
1: So these are things that I've been I've been really uh grateful for for some time and that is my wife who is my support system. Um I'm really lucky to have a supportive uh partner. I know that not everyone does. Um just you know really really grateful for that that you know I I, I have less low moments that I used to in the past but when I have a low moment that that she's there to you know really comfort me so that means a lot to me. Um I have my two daughters who have changed my outlook on life, meaning that I get to see the world now through a new lens. I see maybe what it was like for me growing up uh, many years ago and for what it would have been like for my parents to raise children so I have a new respect for my parents as well and I, that's that's been very very helpful as well and my work um i'm just extremely grateful i mean i don't i didn't have aspirations as a kid growing up in Medford, Massachusetts. I mean, nobody knew what a naturopathic doctor was back then. And certainly no one in Medford, Massachusetts would you know go on to do this type of work. So I'm grateful that I actually got sick because this led me down this path. And I know that might seem strange. And that's why I tell people right now, whatever you're going through right now, it could be your greatest gift. It really can. Whatever you're going through. Because the biggest thing in life... Where you're going to attain the most happiness is honestly serving others. That, that's the truth. When you serve others, you feel good. It's almost selfish. Like my work is almost selfish because it makes me feel like I'm doing something that matters, that has some type of purpose. And with that, meaning that if I never got sick and it never led to Ayurveda and that never led me to my mentor, and my mentor never said, Go back to school, you need to go back to school, get your degree. And then that led me to studying all over the world, then I wouldn't be where I am today. So, those are what I'm most grateful for.
0: Mm, thank you. So beautiful. You are such a beautiful human being. Like, I just, I'm so grateful for this conversation. And I've got a couple more questions. What is one thing or one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing that people can do today.
1: So I'll give you the main thing, but it's also the hardest thing. And that's why I understand that it's, it's a work in progress and that some things we can't control, but it's stress. Mm. No one likes to talk about it. No one likes to admit it. But everything gets worse and every disease comes about because of stress. You almost can't be in a disease state except for congenital-based issues if you didn't have a high level of stress. Now, keep in mind, stress isn't just from Emotional-based stress from life, relationships, work—all of those things—that is stress. But stress is also from the from an imbalanced gut, meaning that our it's, our gut is called our second brain for a reason. It's connect, so our gut, our, let's talk, let's say it, our stomach connected to our small intestine, connected to our large intestine. There are nerves that innervate the nervous system. Okay, so it's, it talks with the nervous system. There's also something called a vagus nerve that stimulates. So basically, it's a pathway that speaks to the brain. So your gut talks to your brain, and if you have gut-based issues it's going to make you anxious. It's going to make you stressed because it's telling your body something's wrong. I don't feel well. And the third thing is you can get viruses. You can get pathogens and that causes stress in your body. But the main thing really is trying to control stress in your life. And I honestly, I look at everything as this rain barrel. So if work is brutal, you just don't like your job, but you're doing it. You know why? Because you need to support your family you need to do this, this, and this. I get it. I totally understand. But that just means, going back to the yin-yang symbol and Ayurveda, is you need to balance that. That means that you have to really work on uh, coming home, have a stretching, the yoga-based routine or an Epsom salt bath, relaxation, using things like uh, magnesium or CBD oil or, or just things to kind of calm the sympathetic nervous system, right? Have a nice conversation without this TV, get rid of the evening news, uh, have a meaningful conversation with your spouse or play with your kids, like all of these things. You just have to go deep on balancing the stresses in your life. So I know that that's really open-ended, but I'll tell you right now, I've seen people with gut-based issues that should get better, right? That that there's no more candida left. There's no more overgrowth left. But what happens is this gets a little, uh, you know, uh, complicated, but what happens is when some people get stressed, the lower esophageal sphincter to the stomach, meaning that your esophagus opens into the stomach, it won't close. So, people literally get things like achalasia; They can't swallow food. They get heartburn, not because of H. pylori, not because of bacterial overgrowth. They're just so stressed. And then also, they keep giving themselves SIBO, literally, because what happens is they can't close the valve from where they're um, basically the small intestine, the ileum meets the cecum. So, the ileocecal valve doesn't close. And they get a backup. They get this colon-based bacteria that we said shouldn't be in your small intestine, and it backs up in your small intestine. So I'm telling you right now, no matter the health protocol you're working on with your functional medicine doctor, your naturopathic doctor, or the book, the protocol that you're following right now, you have to start to reduce stress. It's the most important thing in the world.
0: Absolutely agree. Thank you so much for mentioning that. It is so important. And you've reminded me to do a little check-in with myself and make sure that I'm doing all of the things that really reduce the cortisol in my body. So thanks for that little reminder. All right, I've got another question for you. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life?
1: This is, um, this is a question that had been asked a lot more over the past year. Um, I've just been so fortunate, and I feel unbelievably grateful because it was never intended uh, for myself to reach so many health practitioners. I created my podcast, and I kind of created my my voice as a way of just understanding that there's only so many people my team and I can work with in a one on one capacity. Eventually, you just run out of hours in the day, and you'd love to work on more, work with more people, but you just can't. So I said, "This is information that's not mine. There's no way I'm going to charge for this information because." Uh, in, that's just not ethical in my opinion. I have to get this out to people. It was taught to me. My mentor didn't hold back. I mean, she taught me everything she knew. And then I went on to to study with all these great doctors and, and they taught me what they knew. And so it's my turn to give back. And then all of a sudden, I found that about a third of all of the listeners for my podcast are health practitioners. And they're now sharing that with their patients and their wellness clients and their personal training clients and nutrition and yoga and all of those things. And so... Then they're saying, like, how do I turn this into a business? And I say, well, here's the bottom line. This is what I know does work, is that when you follow your passion, when you are doing the thing that you could talk about literally for hours at a time with no notes, and it's the thing that keeps coming up. It's the thing that people ask you about. You found your sweet spot. You found what gives you energy. You love to do. You would do it for free. You would talk about it for free. It's what your friends ask you about when you're out to dinner or your acquaintances or clients or whatever it is. That's the spot right there. So if it's not your job right now, if it's not your career, begin to moonlight in that. And now with the internet, I mean, you can reach millions of people all around the world. And a lot of people were worried about wealth, but the truth is that you don't have to help a lot of people to create a really good income that could also subsidize the current work that you're doing right now before you decide to maybe step out branch out and make that your full time work. So my goal in the future is to try to teach even to a greater level more health practitioners so that they can go on to help more people because as i said i'm one person. That's that's it and and this is not my information. So the more and that's why people are saying like why are you giving this away? Why are you trying to teach more health practitioners practitioners? Because the truth is that If we literally have an army of people who all become health coaches, like I wish half of the world becomes a health coach because if they do, they're going to get themselves well because most health practitioners get into this because they have something wrong for them. So it's very altruistic as they're giving back. They're going to then be, you know, teach one or each one teach one, right? You get well, teach another person. If we do that, I mean, talk about how do you change the world? That's it. Like that is literally it. Forget about like, oh, how do we beat pharmaceuticals? How do we beat big food? How do we beat all these things? We beat it. One person at a time, and it starts with us. That's the bottom line.
0: Mm, Beautiful. And what is now one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life?
1: This is a, this is a, I don't, you know, this could go in a bunch of different directions, right? How I look at it is this is that. You know, you might be in the same boat, but it's kind of that you could work all day, you could do these projects, you could speak at all these different events, you could do all these things that all demand your time. But then that takes also away from maybe the, the people that you need to connect with on the deepest level. Because we all have these rings in life, right? So it's kind of like my immediate inner circle are my wife and my two girls. Mm-hmm. You know, I just call them my girls, that's it. And so what I do is I just know my personality. So once you know who you are, you know that you don't even want to change it. You like who you are. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But I'm all in, you know, I'm all in for this. So what I do is I actually make sure that I schedule everything. Mm. There is no work on the weekends for me. Very, very really. That is my family's time. From Friday afternoon-ish to the weekend, that's their time, okay? And I also make sure that I schedule quite a bit of vacation time. Because I know... That that's how I create my balance. A lot of people say, oh, well, I'm going to get home at this time and do this. Well, for me, I do big blocks of time, like really deep connection. So I make sure too that my wife and I also spend our own time together. right? So we schedule dinners out. We put away the phones that we connect, that we have real conversations, that we get deep into each, other, each other's lives of what that person has going on. And then they also do the same for friends, and they do for the same for family. So basically, love to me is about connectedness. I know that love is also like if you're giving love out, like that's a beautiful thing as well. But I also believe that we can give a deeper level of love to our inner circle who might need it the most. Like there has to be that deeper level. So for me, that's how I do it. I don't know if there's a correct answer, but that's how I do it in my life, and, and that seems to be bringing me more balance.
0: Mm, I love that because you've got to create space. And especially if you're like yourself and I, where you could just keep working and speaking and writing and creating, we have to schedule it in. And if it's not scheduled it in, like for you on the weekend or, you know, dates with your wife, it won't happen. And that's what I've realized as well with myself and my husband. If we don't put things in the calendar, we just move through our day and then we, you know, a week will go past and we're like, we actually like i'm I'm wondering why I'm feeling frustrated or agitated because we haven't had that time to connect with each other, and that time is really important to me, and I deeply love it and it's like that watering uh you were talking about before you've got to water that relationship you've got to water that plant, give it the right amount of sunlight, give it you know tend to the soil and and our relationships are exactly the same, so I love that you do that because it's so important
1: a lot of people think that that's selfish that Taking time for themselves, for self-love, or just for their spouse, maybe time away from their kids is selfish. But I'll tell you right now, and, and I always like to share this. Um, I, I've had a lot of what I call virtual mentors and, and audiobooks and books and all these things. Jim Rohn, who I believe, and I, I forgot to mention him earlier, is one of the most powerful speakers who's no longer with us, but his work is incredible. Uh, Jim Rohn, I just recommend looking him up. He had a quote that, that I live by and I try to teach to others. And that's this, is that, I'll take care of me for you, if you'll take care of you for me. Too often, we rely on, we try to, our happiness relies on other people being happy. So we need to make our, our spouse happy. We need to make our parents happy, our, our kids happy. The problem is this everyone's trying to make everybody else happy and nobody's happy. So you need to work on your own happiness first. When I get a little time to myself, even if it's just an hour, I wake up on the weekend before it's my family time, that was my time. I'm happy now. Now I can give myself fully to my family. So remember, it is not selfish to take care of yourself. When you are better, you'll be better for everyone else.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's it's so true. I sometimes get up around two hours before Nick and that is my time. I go for a walk, I go for a swim or I call it my aura cleanse where I dive in the ocean and I meditate or I do some yoga that is my time. And I just love it so much. And then if I've done that, I'm I'm the same. I can give myself fully to my family and to other people. But those days when I don't do that, I feel completely off and a little bit agitated. So, it's so important. And it goes back to what we were saying before about that morning routine. So, it's definitely not selfish, that's for sure. All right. I have one last question for you. What is one thing that I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today?
1: The thing that would help me out the most that my, my work will be for the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, however long, will be to, to share this message, not of healing necessarily, not of helping people lose weight, not of helping people to live longer, but it's a message of hope. And it's really understanding that no matter how bad you have it right now, because I know there's a lot of people out there who have it bad, and they've had it bad for quite some time, is that you can get well. You can lose the weight, and no matter what you're dealing with, it does not mean that your lifespan is going to be short, that you can live the life that you want to live. I've had people in my practice in their 60s, early 70s, come back 12 to 16 weeks later. I haven't heard from them. They've literally gone off the grid. And I'm like, I hope this person's okay. And they all of a sudden do a follow-up. And, I, and I'm worried. I'm like, how's everything been? And they're, they're crying. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going well. And they say, everything in my life has changed. I have more energy than I've ever had before. And this person's, this is literally just last week, 67 years old. They said to me, I think I'm going back to get my degree in nutrition. And I was blown away.
0: 67 years old,
1: going back to school for a master's degree in nutrition. And I just, I love that. So, what I want people to understand is that I know that it doesn't seem possible maybe right now, but whatever it is that you're dealing with, you can get well. What I want to do today is just if you go to StephenCabral.com forward slash Melissa, I'd like to just create some show notes where if people have questions, they can reach out to us. I do a podcast called The Cabral Concept on iTunes. I'll link up to it there. Where people, I do house calls on the weekend and I answer people's questions. So, that if you have a question that you've never had answered before, completely complimentary, I'm happy to answer that for you. And I'll link up to our functional medicine detox, our lab test. So, if people want to get deeper into it, they're welcome to. But really, just sharing the message, you know, telling people, hey, there is hope. You can get well. Other people have done it. That means you can do it too.
0: Thank you so much. I feel like we needed like fireworks just then at the end of that. Like I was, (laughs) I was waiting. I was waiting for the fireworks. So, Stephen, this has been so amazing. I have been looking forward to this conversation for months and I'm so grateful for all of your wisdom and your knowledge that you've just shared with us and for also the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being of service to so many people. Thank you for sharing and thank you for all of the love that you've poured into this podcast interview. I'm just so grateful and I can't wait to get this in everyone's ears.
1: I appreciate that, and, and I also want to thank you as well. Not only uh, for allowing me to get this message out to your community, but also the work you do literally on on a weekly, daily, and weekly basis. And that's and that's uh, I mean truly remarkable because I don't know if a lot of people know how knowledgeable you are. You have you have guests on that I think are fantastic, but your level of knowledge is I, I think far surpasses most other health practitioners that I know. So you deserve to be commended for that as well.
0: Oh, thank you so much, you beautiful man and. And go, I don't know what time it is, but I hope now it is, I think it might be night time. I hope you can go and have an Epsom salt bath and do something nice for yourself because you deserve it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Holy guacamole. He is amazing and such a beautiful person. Oh my gosh. After this podcast interview, we actually stayed on the phone chatting for ages. He's just so beautiful. And I hope you guys got as much as I did out of today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can help, support, and inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like to have on this show. And for everything we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 59. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Just a reminder that my book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex is out now. And you can get that by going to melissarambrosini.com forward slash open wide. Also, tickets for the open wide tour that I'll be doing with my husband in January and February are now available and selling fast. So head to nickandmelissa.com to get your tickets today. Thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the healthiest and best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You are rock. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from hearing this episode with Steven, I know I can think of about 15 right off the top of my head, please share it with them right away. Either take a screenshot and send it to them via text or email, or even take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram and share what you learned in the episode because that will inspire the people around you. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.